0: Okay, we're going to continue in our study in the Gospel of Mark. You know, uh, it's important to remember that uh, the record that we have in the New Testament about the life of Jesus was written by people who knew him personally, written by eyewitnesses. The Apostle John, for instance, said the things that we declare unto you, these are things that our eyes have seen, that our hands have handled. So we're not telling you, as Peter said, we're not telling you cunningly devised fables. We're telling you what we saw. We This is uh, literal uh, eyewitness accounts. You know, I was thinking the other day, Stonewall Jackson. How many of you believe in Stonewall Jackson? You know, How many of you know who Stonewall Jackson was? Okay, he was a, a great general during the Civil War. And uh, I never had a chance to meet him. Uh, And uh, I've never met anybody that met him. And uh, I've actually never read anything that he wrote. But I know a lot about him. How do I know? Because I have read stories and accounts that other people wrote, some of them who actually knew him. And they wrote it down, and they said, we saw him do this and this and this. And so if I were to tell you some things about Stonewall Jackson, nobody is going to say, oh, I don't believe in Stonewall Jackson. I said, what, are you crazy? What do you mean you don't believe? Well, I mean, that was so long ago, and you never met him. You're just basing that on things you've read about him. Yeah, that's kind of what I do with everybody that lived prior to 70 years ago. And that's what I do with Jesus. I read the things that people who knew him and spent three years with him and ate with him and talked with him and uh, camped out with him and, and uh, everything. That That's what I know about Jesus. And so when I pick up the Gospel of Mark and he says, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Son of God. I think, wow, it's pretty amazing to call him the Son of God, isn't it? And then Mark says, oh, wait till I tell you what all I saw him do. And then he begins to give this account of the life and ministry of Jesus. Just a short count. I mean, it's just 16 chapters. It's the shortest of the Gospels. And it's kind of like the Reader's Digest version of the life of Jesus. And he says, uh, yeah, he did amazing things. One time I was with him, and there was this man who had leprosy. And everybody was terrified of a leper. Nobody wanted to be around a leper. I'm saying leper, not leopard uh and and but I'd be terrified of a leopard too but uh but if you had leprosy, nobody wanted to be around you. but the Bible says that Jesus went up to this man with leprosy, and Jesus touched him and healed him, and instantly his leprosy was gone whoa and John and Mark says, that's what I said, whoa, it's amazing and said, and then He did this and this and he told all these stories that we've told so far and then he said, then we got in the boat and we're heading out across the sea and this big storm comes up and we all thought we were going to drown and Jesus was sleeping in the boat. It's not a yacht, you know, just a little boat. And said, we went over and woke him up and said, Jesus, Jesus. And he said, just a minute. And he stood up and he just said, shh, get quiet. And all of a sudden, the storm just totally stopped. Everything stopped. It was like a great calm. And we said, whoa, (laughs) who in the world is this? And then he says in Mark chapter 5, when we got to the other side of the sea that evening, there were these uh, men, this man who came out to us. Uh, we were in the country of the Gadarenes, and and there came out to the... And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. We said last week that other word for this is demons. This man was possessed by a demon, and he comes out and he's screaming and yelling and 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 he's, uh, we're told in one of the other gospels that he's not wearing any clothes. I told you last week this is the story of the nude dude in a rude mood, and uh, and it is because I mean this guy he comes out screaming and yelling and and crazy. he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces and. Nobody could tame him, and he comes running up to Jesus. always night and day. He's out in the mountains, in the tombs, and he's crying out, and he's cutting himself with stones. He's in a mess, and when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran, and he fell down, and he knelt down in front of him. And uh, next verse. Says, and he cried out with a loud voice. And he said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you, by God, that you do not torment me. And actually, this is a voice not of the man, but really, more than likely, this is the voice of the evil spirit that's in him that says it. Because Jesus had said to the man, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, that is, he's speaking directly to the unclean spirit, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. I I don't know whether I would even wanted to have heard this conversation or not. That would be scary, wouldn't it? been terrifying to hear this guy comes running out screaming and dragging chains behind him that he's broken and and uh not uh dressed properly and uh, or maybe not dressed and uh and and he comes out and he's speaking maybe in this guttural sound and he said and jesus said what's your name we are legion and so he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country says don't don't send them out of 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 this country, and there was a large herd of swine, that's pigs, obviously feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, there were about 2,000 of them, and the herd, the whole herd, ran violently down a steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled. I'd have probably fled a little sooner than that. But uh, when they, they uh, took off, and they went and told it in the city and in the country, and, and then everybody went out to see what had happened. And then they came to Jesus... And they saw the man who had been demon-possessed and had the legion. And he's sitting, not running, not screaming, not cutting himself, not throwing things. But he's sitting, and he's clothed, and he's in his right mind. And they were afraid. Now, that's as far as I'm going to read in it. The rest of the story is interesting, too. But two or three things I thought about this week that I wanted to say about this story. First of all, I want you to think about this man. As I've thought about this man this week, I, you know, when, when we start reading the story, we're just introduced to him that he's this wild, crazy, demon possessed guy. But you know, he hadn't always been that way. I got to thinking. Just last week, we were over at, uh, or we were looking actually at a little video of our new great-grandbaby. And we were watching her mom and dad gucci gucci gooing and all that kind of stuff and making her laugh and giggle. And, and she was cooing, blowing bubbles and everything. And we were just melting inside. And all of a sudden, the thought hit me, this demon-possessed guy at one time, was a little baby. And his mom and dad probably played with him and tickled his feet and made him laugh. And he was loved, perhaps. I don't know that for a fact. He might have been a neglected child. I don't know. But but just for the sake of my imagination, I, I had him being brought up in... Sunday school, his mom and dad were good Jewish parents, maybe. And they, uh, they loved him. But somewhere along the way, something went really bad wrong in this guy's life. I have no idea what. And it would just be pure, sheer imagination But I'm thinking that maybe somewhere around 14, 15 years old, maybe he got rebellious. Maybe he didn't like his parents telling him what to do. Maybe he got sassy and hateful. And the Bible says that rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. It kind of puts us in connection with the great rebel, the arch rebel, the one that that really hated God in the beginning, Satan himself. And so maybe through this spirit of rebellion, maybe through this spirit of of reaction to authority and maybe through a spirit of uh, resentment of being told what to do, maybe that kind of cracked the door open just a little bit for... uh, for evil spirits to get into his life. I don't know that for sure. Maybe when he was a teenage boy, he got introduced to some uh, moral compromise. Uh, Today, we might say he got introduced to internet pornography or he got introduced to... uh, sexually explicit stuff that he knew in his conscience I ought not to be doing this, but I want to do it and he did it and and through that uncleanness, maybe that cracked the door open just a little bit more. Maybe he began to question um, what he had been taught at home. We talked in Sunday school this morning about how lots of people grow up in, in churches and in homes, and because of hypocrisy, they see, or because of other things, they they throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, they just say, "Well, I just don't believe any of it." And maybe he even began to dabble in pagan uh, rituals and pagan religions, and begin to actually get involved in satanic. Activity you say, oh, that surely that's not a reality. Well, just was it just this week, wasn't it? That some satanic cult was it in Houston, I think in Houston uh, or Austin, kidnapped three girls, sacrificed one of them, killed one of them, horribly mistreated the other two, and they did it because they said they were worshiping Satan. They say, well, that kind of stuff really happens? You bet it does. You talk to some of the police, and especially in some of the border cities, uh, New Orleans and places like that where a lot of influence has come in from uh, some of the more uh, occultic cultures, they'll tell you some stories that curl your hair. Might not curl yours, Martin, but it'd curl, uh, <laughs> it'd curl some people's hair. And uh, I, stuff's real; it's real. And so I don't know how. I don't know how. But somewhere along the way, this guy gets deeper and deeper and deeper into rebellion and violence and and, and immorality and. Uh, and he becomes obsessed with nudity. becomes obsessed with uh, violence. He becomes obsessed with death. He's living in the graveyard. He's living among the tombs. And he's a mess. And I don't think he likes where he is. I, I think he wants help. And there may have been a period of time where he didn't want help. But do you know that sin will always take us further than we want to go? And it'll keep us longer than we want to stay. And it'll cost us more than we ever thought we'd have to pay. That's the way sin works. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. It's hard. Not, not easy, but hard. And so this guy who may have gotten started just by some accidental, incidental, or maybe intentional involvement in the occult now ends up possessed by spirits who are bent on his destruction and they bring him no pleasure and no joy at all. It's like so many friends of mine over the years who start drinking and they start taking drugs, they never intend to become a slave to it, they never intend to for it to be costly and destructive. It's just fun. And, and other people are doing it. And before long, they're, they are hooked. They are addicted. And in their most uh, lucid moments, they say, Man, I I I need out of this. I don't want I don't like where it's taken me. But then before the day is over, they're going for it again. And maybe that's the way this guy was. And he comes running out to Jesus. He sees Jesus from a distance. And he runs to him and he falls down before him and Maybe before he can even speak, the spirits in him begin to fight against him. And he's saying, I, I won't help, but, but what, what I have to do with you, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. And the spirits begin to oppress him and tear him. And, and, and then Jesus says, come out of him come out of him and the people come out and they see him said isn't that the guy isn't that that crazy guy isn't that that wild man he's always screaming carrying on night and day we'd hear him yelling out here in the tombs and breaking the chains and scaring everybody that really him yeah, it looks like him but well, he's look he's sitting quietly he's clothed and he's seems to be in his right mind how'd that happen well i tell you how it happened jesus came jesus is the one who made the difference The one, the same one who was able to heal disease, the same one who was able to calm the storm, now says, I not only have authority over sickness, I not only have authority over nature, I also have authority over demons. And we find many times, really, when you read the story of the life and ministry of Jesus, you find him doing this very same thing on a number of other occasions, casting out evil spirits from people who were slaves to them. So this man, again, I've just been using my imagination. I don't know how long it's been since he's seen his parents this mom and dad that loved him as a baby and taught him as a child, maybe grieved over him as a teenager and then lost touch with him as he left home and went off into all this wild, crazy kind of stuff. How many times they've wept for him? How many times they've prayed for him? How many times they've wondered about him? Maybe his brothers and sisters they've gone out to try to talk to him and he would terrify them run at them and the whole family their hearts have been broken. So it's no wonder to me that it's a sequel to this story after Jesus got ready to leave. The man said, I want to go with you. You've changed my life. I want to go. Can I I go with you and be one of your disciples? And Jesus said, no. You know what I want you to do? I want you to go home. I want you to go home and tell your friends and include your family what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you go home and tell I've just in my mind this week as I've kind of walked through this I've kind of lived with this guy all week I I grew up with him and everything I've just kind of constructed a whole history for the guy and it's so exciting when he goes home, somebody runs to his parents and says, "Lucas is coming," or whatever his name might be. He he's come, and they say, "What? Yeah, but but he looks different. He's not running. He's not screaming. He's dressed properly. He's walking." They look out the window, and sure enough, there he is. And he comes up on the porch or to the house, whatever, and uh, they open the door cautiously, peek out. He says, Mom, Dad, I'm home. I'm okay. They push the door on open. His mother looks at him and says, son, is it really you? Yeah, I'm okay. She grabs him. And they began to weep together and laugh together. I said, well, what happened to you? What happened? He said, you know, I don't even know how to explain what happened that got me into the shape that I was in. But I can tell you what got me out of the shape I was in. I met Jesus, and he changed my life. With just a word, he changed my life. And my message to all of us today is that Satan is real, he is a decided fact. There's no. he's a definite fact the devil is real and he's active he's powerful and he is a deceiving fiend he loves to lie to us but he is also a defeated foe listen when Jesus came and died on the cross rose from the dead he defeated all the power of Satan. Listen to this verse in uh, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The last part of the verse. The reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil. Look at that. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. He, he, that's why he came, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Some people today kind of have this fear of Satan. Now, we, we don't have to be afraid of the devil. He has no authority. He has no power. The only Power he has is the power to deceive. That's that's a lot of power. You know, if, if I can trick you into thinking the wrong thing, I can get you to do the wrong thing. If uh, we're walking down a path together, say Ephraim and I are walking down a path together out here at... Uh, Joe Pool Lake, that place that overlooks over Pool Joe Pool Lake, and and I say, Ephraim, don't step on that snake. And there's just a stick laying there. It's not a snake. But Ephraim looks down and he sees that stick, and because I said it was a snake, he thinks it's a snake, and he jumps, and maybe runs, and then he finds out. Pastor just tricked him. He'd say, "You sneaky preacher." That could be just kind of fun. I wouldn't find I wouldn't find that funny, would you, Ephraim? Now he's thinking what he can do to me. Uh, but if I can if I can get you to think something that's wrong, inaccurate, not true you will act as if it is true. And that's, that's really what fear is. Did you know fear is F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. That's, that's what fear is. It's when, and, and that's, that's the reason Satan is able to do so much damage today, not because he has any power. Did you know the devil cannot touch you? He has no authority to, to touch you, to do anything to you. All he can do is lie to you. He can tell you stuff that's not true. And if you believe it, then it might as well be true. You'll behave as if it's true. So he is a deceiving fiend, but he is a defeated foe. He has been conquered. And today you need to know that the great weapon that you have is the truth of God's Word. We're told in Ephesians chapter 6 to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the wiles, that is, the tricks, the lies, the scheming, sneaky lies of the devil. And then he begins to tell us what that armor is. Would you put that up there, uh, brother? Uh, 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 Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God, and he tells us how to dress for battle against Satan. And he says, put on the breastplate, we'll see, the. He yeah, put on the whole armor of God that you might stand, be able to stand against the wiles. See, it's not the power of the devil, it's the wiles, the tricks of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So he makes it clear that it's real. But take, therefore, The whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your waist girded about with, what's the very first one? Truth. Truth. Why do we need that? Because truth is what counters the wiles of the lying devil but on the breastplate of righteousness. This is the righteousness we have in Christ. Guards our heart. Having your feet shod with preparation of the good news of peace. And above all, take the shield of faith. There it is again, see. It's faith. It's believing the truth with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, knowing for sure that your sins have been forgiven, that you're a Christian, you're a believer, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, that's how we battle a defeated foe. He's already whipped. This is the way we overcome his wiles. All right. So... Satan will uh, lie to you. He will try to convince you that error is truth, that poison is nutritious. And your, your antidote is to go to the Word. What saith the Scripture? What does God say? And when I build my life on that, I live within the defense, the citadel, the fortress of safety and security. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that uh, your word is able to instruct us. You've told us that all Scripture is God-breathed, it's given by your inspiration, and that it's profitable, that it's useful, it's helpful for truth, for doctrine, and for reproof, and for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God can be complete and fully equipped for every good work. Help us to put on the armor and to be able to stand in truth against all the wiles of the devil. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website www.bearcreekbaptist.org If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.